0: For the purpose of critique, review, and education, and absolutely in the uh, 1976 Fair Use Act, it's the Nerdlings Podcast. I'm WC Chronicles. You can call me Wayne. Head Nerdling. And also
1: here is Greg Van Cott. How's it going, everybody?
0: going well now so our podcast and greg is not artificial intelligence he is a real person
1: <laughs> well as far as i know i'm not i could be a robot i haven't quite determined that yet
0: <laughs> well you don't sound like my other co-host who i've had to create because well jersey mike he's kind of doing some other endeavors that he's doing right now eventually he'll be back maybe he's a special guest we'll see who knows right now but you picked out our next topic
1: Yes, Rupert Neve. He's actually he died pretty recently at the wonderful age of ninety four, which is pretty impressive. And <clears throat> he is uh, one of the single most important pioneers when it comes to uh, modern recording technology.
0: The most trusted man, the most trusted name in sound. Yes, is, is One yes. logo
1: I heard or, or read about.
0: So I thought we we're going to do. We we're going to talk about him. Some of the bullet points about his life, and then maybe play some of the songs of the artists who used his sound equipment that he invented.
1: Sounds good to me. That's so, that's literally a joke.
0: Sounds sounds good to me. Oh! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. We we got a heat wave going on right now here in Las Vegas. Like the whole desert Southwest. So this just kind of the brain brain gets baked anyway. So you said you got some coming kind of more. I'm going to start with the facts or. Here we go. Okay, so Rupert Nev, Rupert Neve,
1: not Nev Campbell. Rupert Neve. Neve, yeah.
0: yeah. You know how bad I am with bad na- with last names and so. On. I got a better idea. Let's start with a clip of him talking, okay? Because he's British American born, you know, and he's he's a very subtle, quiet man, very quiet man. Let's play a little bit of a clip of an interview that I found with him talking, so you can know what kind of person he is. Let's play this.
2: Well, the interesting thing, as I recall the past, is the way things changed very rapidly. As we moved from the disc into tape, and we went from single-track tape to two-track, and then into multi-track tape, so you could log the information on tape in several different ways. And then you could remix it. You could do all kinds of things with it.
0: Okay, so I just wanted to play that a little bit. That's actually a really good speech interview that he's giving on YouTube. It's like two hours long. I'm going to share it with the links down in the description down below so you can go watch it and get a little more information because we're just gleaming across this man's career in a little bit here. All right, so British American, electronic engineer, and entrepreneur. He designed and invented inventor. He's the inventor of the analog recording and mixing equipment that we know today. Many artists who have used his control boards, mix boards, the Beatles, the Who, Aerosmith, Nirvana, Fleetwood Mac, Santana, Chicago, Tom Petty. The list is endless. It is endless. Do you have anything you want to add? Should I keep going?
1: Um. Well. Yeah, not only did he work with some great, great guys, but it was something that he says in one of his videos that uh, is pretty impressive. Is He said that when uh, he came to work with CBS, they had very specific kinds of uh, consoles, but they were using a different like power algorithm than what his machines did. So in England, he had made machines that actually used more ohms. So uh, it would be something like the CBS uh, consoles, their mix boards, their control boards were like 150 ohms. So basically uh, one of the things that was unusual was that he decided well I need to use more power to enable to us to control the sound more. So he would use equipment that was like 600 ohms. And he was kind of surprised at the time because, you know, everybody's talking about miniaturization, you know, how much power can you put into a space, spaceship and can you – now today we use the same amount of uh, processing power in a phone. Is It's it's the same same amount of, like, power consumption. So it's just kind of crazy that, like, he would do something like – say, oh no, I'm going to use the. I need 600 to power all this equipment. But don't worry, the sound is going to be a lot better. And one of the other things that apparently he created was a whole new meter system. Where, apparently the old boards, and I might not be quite saying all this right, but I, as far as I understand it, the old boards used to uh, the meter was decibels, which you know, makes sense. We use right. decibels all the time. But he said, I don't want it to be about loudness. I want it to be about volume the actual like amount of sound versus loudness so like it'd be kind of like the example would be you could have a recording of a plane so a plane is uh, uh zooming and it's at a huge amount of decibels because a plane is very loud so we're talking about the loudness and yet the sound of it in your board could be because ah! it was peaking so because yeah. you had such a high amount of decibels so he created volume units he made that the, the the modern way to meter sound to measure sound because it was more about the quality of the sound in response to like what the word volume meant, meaning the amount of sound versus what he thought was what people were using as the amount of loudness. So he thought that there was a difference. So that's kind of the thing that might be a little bit confusing is that volume and loudness are not necessarily the same thing. It's
0: like the Richter scale for the earthquake. Mm-hmm. An earthquake at eight, like at 6.0, if you, to go up to 7.0, it is like 100 times more violent.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: the same kind of thing.
1: Yeah, they, that that's scale. actually a pretty good metaphor, yeah.
0: Okay, so I say let's jump in to play some of the songs that we're going to do. I'll, I'm going to pick the first one. I'm going to throw the Be- a Beatles song in there. We're, we're just going to pick a couple songs to play of stuff that was recorded on Robert... Robert Neve's equipment that he invented right yeah my first one is the beatles we can work it out try to see it my way do i have to keep
2: on talking till i can go on while you see it your way Run the risk of knowing that our love may soon be gone we can work it out we can work it out think of what you're saying You can get it wrong and still you think that it's all right. Think of what I'm saying. We can work it out and get it straight. Or say goodnight. We can work it out. There's a chance that we might fall apart before too long We can work it out, we can work it out Life is very short and there's no time For fussing and fighting, my friend I have always thought that it's a crime Try to see it my way. Only time will tell if I am right or I am wrong. While you see it your way, there's a chance that we might fall apart before too long. We can work it out. We can work it out.
0: All right, so that's my first pick, The Beatles' We Can Work It Out, who probably absolutely recorded that song on... Rupert Neve's equipment that he invented. He, uh, through his lifetime, he had as an entrepreneur, he had five companies that he would have. They would be Neve Electronics, Focus Right, AMS Neve, which stands for Advanced Music Service, and then he also had Rupert Neve Design, which was his very last company. That he had, that he was working with, and he does have an interesting website that
1: you were mentioning earlier. Yeah, he has a YouTube channel. It's actually, it's, it's, it's not much more subscribers than me. So it actually was kind of comforting to know that he was getting the same amount of subscribers and views as me, even at, at his age.
0: Yeah, it's not a real exciting – I mean, he's not what you call – he's a very soft-spoken British person. But know? the
1: videos are really cool because they'll talk about, like, these new decks and boards, and they're, like, these nice tutorials on how to use them and how they yeah. work and how they're supposed to make your sound better. And it was just kind of like, ooh, I would, if, ooh. I, if <laughs> I bought something like that, I want to know more about how the actual hardware works because that has always been – a little bit, you know, a little bit of vulnerability for me. So somebody would say, oh, look at all this gear. And I'll be kind of like, ooh, that's intimidating. I don't know how to work it. But if you have, like, tutorials on, like, this is what it does, and this is how it works, and this is what you can do to, you know, help you out. You know, this will help you a little bit here. That will touch things up a little bit better there. That's actually good. That's encouraging. You want to have that teachable moment. And it sounded like, as far as I could tell, that was another aspect to his personality that Rupert was a – also more of a teacher than he was just a guy who you know was constantly tinkering. He, no, yeah, yeah he wasn't a tinkeringer he wasn't a clockmaker just that he was also you know a guy who wanted to ha- have people understand how it worked
0: yeah yeah all right so he was born july 31st 1926 and newton abbott england he was married to his wife for 70 years he has five kids Passed away February 21st, 2021 as a resident living in Wembley, Texas. He spent his childhood years in Buenos Aires, Argentina, as his parents were missionaries at the time. And at the age of 13, while living there, that's when he began design and building amps and receivers components. At the age of 13. Then by the the age of 17, he joined... World War II started, basically. He joined the British Army Royal Corps of Signals. I love that. I always find different things about military things like that you never know. Let's play your
1: song. Your choice. There was one about Dear Prudence. When you look up Rupert Neve, you kind of find stuff about the isolated tracks of Dear Prudence. Yeah. Because it's very clear and it's very beautiful. So if you look up like Rupert Neve, Dear Prudence, isolated tracks, you'll find something that's really cool.
3: Dear Prudence, won't you come out to play? Dear Prudence, greet the brand new day. The sun is up, the sky is blue. It's beautiful, and so are you, dear Prudence, won't you come out to play, dear Prudence, open up your eyes, dear Prudence. See the sunniest sky The wind is low The birds will sing That you are part Of everything Dear Prudence Won't you open up your eyes Look
2: around, round. round, round. Round, round 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 look around round 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 round, 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 round. look around
3: ah. dear prudence let me see you smile Dear Prudence, like a little child, the clouds will be a daisy chain, so let me see you smile again. Dear Prudence, won't you let me see you smile? Dear Prudence, won't you come out to play? Dear Prudence, greet the brand new day. The sun is up, the sky.
0: Gonna share in the link down below in the descriptions this YouTube video, so you can go listen to everything, which has every isolated track on it. Besides those, the drums, the bass, vocals, backing vocals, hand claps, airplane,
1: thanks, <laughs> <dance. laughs> <laughs> airplane sound effect. Because you gotta throw you yeah. do a flugelhorn, you're gonna do an airplane too. <laughs> All
0: right, your turn for a fact or so.
1: Oh, okay. okay. Well, one of the things that is, you and is I this, discussing... is this the, the Lennon thing. The, the Lennon thing? When you say the but, but, Lennon thing, that but, could be anything.
0: Here, Here's this name that you got here. Oh, right? Mike,
1: Mike Bachelor. Okay, okay. Here,
0: Here's my story, okay? Okay. So back in the late, in the mid-1980s, I'm, I'm calculating here, mid-80s, late-80s, there was this thing, this radio program that was sent out, syndicated, called the Lost Lennon Tapes, where they would play rare demos from John Lennon's. Collection, things that he had, whether they be Beatle related or solo related. And there was a story that they were telling. Elliot Mintz was the host, who was John Lennon's manager at the time. And I, he was telling the story about how when these artists would have to do a recording, then they would go ahead and do the hours of the backtracking and then the vocals. They'd have to set up another appointment to come back in to sing over their vocals, basically double tracking their vocals manually. John Lennon just wanted a push push a button, basically. So to push a button and it would double the vocals anyway, okay?
1: <laughs> that sounds now, like John Lennon. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, now, I'm just kind of remembering these pieces from my brain my brain from this and then the name of the person that who helped him do that is the person's name who I think you got here. So, hand you the full, here's the here's the here is the baton. Take it.
1: Okay. Well, it, it turns out that one of Rupert Neve's uh, inspirations was a guy named. Oh, sorry, I'm looking the wrong way. A guy named Mike Bachelor was one of his inspirations, and uh, I, I have some information here, but the text is so tiny. But the uh, basically, this guy was. There in the studio, there's a picture of him here with Paul, and basically it says, uh, aside from the massive channel and track increase, so they were able to do more and more and more tracks, Mm -hmm. you know, not just doubling the vocals, that's one of them, but basically they had to deal with other innovations that made it light years ahead of time from any other period, including a limiter compressor on every channel, and the... this is the norm these days, but was unheard of at the time. It wouldn't be unreasonable to describe Mike Batchelor as the godfather of modern the modern mixing console, with other legendaries such as Rupert Neve, of course. So it's kind of like, kind of like what you were saying. Like John said, I want a button. That does this, and they kind of went, okay. Well, we got to figure that out. Like, yeah. it's like having if you want to if you want to make another sixties reference, it's like we have to build the bridge of the Enterprise, and we need a button that uses a tractor beam to pull the shellcraft in. You need to invent that button because otherwise, I, I'm going to say. Uh, commence, <laughs> commence tractor beam and nothing happens. I need a button. Give yes. me the damn button. Yes, and that
0: story I was told, that was the name of the guy that, that he mentioned, and so he put it together. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it.
1: Okay, so the, that makes the, perfect sense. The double
0: track into the vocals. Perfect. Perfect on that. All right, so back to his, more facts about him, right? He began at the age of 17, he went into the military, Royal Corps of Signals, after World War II, that's when he began recording. He, would, he basically would, would do recordings of Winston Churchill speeches in the 1940s. These are recordings that were then distributed on lacquer acetate disc to radio stations for British radio stations to broadcast. Okay? And then in the 1950s, he created another company which was called Rediffusion. Red Red Business behind then, which was the early incantations of radio and TV signals through wire relayed networks. For the layman's term, that is also known as the technology of what is the forerunner of cable TV. Amazing. <laughs> okay, so then, you know, again, he got working with the Beatles, made it a transistor-based mixing board consoles with equalizer, like you said. And then so basically all the there's this equipment is starting is all over in the world still. We're we're talking about the Hit Factory in New York City. This is the original equipment that is still in Abbey Road that artists still go and use to this day because they want the quality and the product that they get from that equipment from what he invented.
1: Yeah, it's like an explosion of technology that is still relevant, which is kind of amazing.
0: It's it's amazing, amazing. So I think inject another song here. I'm gonna play something, the other artist, the who. I'm gonna say better you better you better bet your bet.
2: You say you better you-
0: All right, that is the who doing, you better, you bet. And, of course, it was probably recorded on some Rupert Niv. Neve. Neve, Robert. <laughs> you know I'm terrible with bad names. I, I even put my notes here. Like me. Rupert Neve.
1: <laughs> All right, so do you got a few more facts to talk about? Um, one of the things that is interesting, I, I guess I'll talk okay. about something. I guess I'll talk about something that's really funny to me. Uh because you mentioned Dave Grohl uh, and his uh, the documentary that he's a part of that he produced. Because, I mean, you want, I... You want that fact now? Uh, well, yeah, no, go for it. I'll.
0: Okay. It, it was a Sound City Studios located in San Fernando Valley, which is what was created, which Rupert Neve Rupert created. <laughs> I, I hope he has a sense of humor and he's looking down laughing at me. He created this sound studio that all these artists recorded in. They were going to shut it down in 2011. Dave Grohl, basically of the Foo Fighters, stepped in, purchased all the equipment, saved it, and did a documentary of it called Sound City. It was an award-winning movie at the Sundance Film Festival. And... I started to watch it and it's on it's free free. You can watch it on YouTube for free with ads. Links in the description. It's very interesting. Your turn.
1: <laughs> it's like it's like the magic Christian. If you want to watch a Peter Sellers Ringo Starr movie, it's free on YouTube yeah. with ads. So, basically why not? Why not HD quality actually. Well, you know, Dave Grohl also was in Nirvana, but he's also worked with uh Tenacious D. So, one of the things was that I've actually met Dave Grohl, but I never I didn't know who he was until later because I was a stupid teenager. So, that's my little little Seed of uh, meeting celebrity. I'm
0: gonna say my little seed on this is I got a connection into when Kurt Cobain met Courtney Love. Oh, gee. <laughs> I, I mean, I have a serious seed beginning of the reason why that happened, but that's a whole other podcast. That's
1: a whole another save podcast it for later and full of conspiracy theories and other parts of the dark web. So <coughs>
0: possibly, <coughs> where, possibly, it depends where your beliefs are. Yeah, exactly, but anyway,
1: <laughs> so. Uh, this leads to uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. So that's a good example of a song that the isolated tracks and the clarity of the song is very important. All the the tracks have to be mixed together in such a way because the guitar on that is really, like, bright. It's a very bright sound because it's like... So, but it, it's mixed so well with that equipment that it doesn't sound like... like what you would expect it to sound like if it was like on maybe uh, you know an old-school 78 or yeah. something like that. You know, some kind of mono track where you're just kind of like, oh, wow, that's that that was an interesting exper- uh, experiment, but the your guitar is, is so dirty that it's dirtier than Helter Skelter. You know, that was kind of the yeah. thing back in the day. Like Paul McCartney said, I'm going to make <laughs> a really dirty song. Like, it is not a clean sound. It's just lots of that going on, but somehow it like, works. Like
0: some of like, the Neil Young stuff from Art Weld. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what I'm
1: talking about. okay. So, I don't know if you wanted to play a little bit of that.
0: No, no. Anyway. Oh. What else do you want to add? Because you got... You want to do something here with the video. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, okay. So, if you... um, If you... Here's a really good example of isolated tracks that I thought of was really, really funny. Uh, So, let's pull up... Smells Like Teen Spirit. However... There's a version somebody did, it's actually quite brilliant, even though somebody's singing in a different key, but it just makes you go, wow, why does this work?
0: Okay, so so explain to what the people the the listeners have just listened to. Okay, Please. so it is so good. That, I to admit it.
1: That wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for Rupert Neve isolated tracks and all the technology he come it that came into sound engineering because it meant that somebody you know fan had to find the isolated tracks of Rick Astley and isolated tracks of Nirvana's you know instrumentals and put them together because they realized it was like the same like, eight-bar structures and time signatures. It's not quite the same key signature, because when Rick is singing, like, ah, it's, like, not the right key as what the Nirvana's doing, but somehow it sounds like some kind of minor diminished thing, and it sounds really, really cool. It still works. It's, like, brilliant. And the reason why I know about this was that at the beginning of YouTube, when I was... Slowly discovering YouTube, and I was just watching like movie trailers. That was like what it was good for back then, and stupid videos of people falling on tables and falling off tables, and their crotch hitting railings from like skateboard videos. It was basically somebody would would have like a keyword that would say like Carmen Electra stripping. So you're like, ooh, there's porn on YouTube, but it wouldn't be, of course. And you would you would click. To some video of this, like you get Rickrolled. That was like the whole phenomenon of millennials getting Rickrolled. They'd get trolled to hearing this Rick Astley song. But in this case, I got Rickrolled into hearing this version of Rick Astley and Nirvana, and I, it was like a troll moment to to trick you into listening to somebody's brilliant track. And it, there was some kind of weird picture because I was looking for it when I did the search. It took a while. I was looking for a picture. That of a 90s, you know, I, I don't remember this at all because, you know, I was too little. But it was like somebody made a neon deodorant bottle and it said something like smells like teen spirit. Like, I don't know if that was publicity for Nirvana at all. Maybe Probably it had was. Maybe, but it was a picture of like some kind of neon colored green Deodorant that was called Teen Spirit was like the flavor, the, yeah. not the flavor. You're not eating it, but like the the scent. So basically, you saw that picture, and then you heard this uh, kind of rigmarole, Rick Rolled, uh, you know, compilation mishmash of this. ...of this arrangement, and it's like, ooh, what is this? I've discovered a treasure trove of, like, unheard musical brilliance, and that it's like that. So that's how I found it, and I, it, it, it's a testament to the technology of isolated tracks, because before, people didn't really do that. You know, you listen to Chuck Berry or Rocket 88 or something, the very first rock and roll songs ever, and it would just be, you know, a, a very simple mono track of everybody just kind of singing together. It was just like one guy in a microphone... That was maybe two if you were lucky, but it was still going into the same track of basically, here, here's this, here's this, uh, you know, one mono track on your 78. Yeah,
0: because the isolated tracks are different from the software programs that you find online, which I enjoy, where you strip the vocals away, and you know, to create a karaoke track, different. Isolated vocals that Rupert invented perfect. Two very different things. Very different things. And very
1: clean because you don't hear any other thing contaminating it. Yeah. You don't hear a vocal. No bleed through. No bleed through. Exactly, exactly, yeah. That's also one of the other things that they invented that's similar. Like non-bleed through headphones. Yeah. Like those are very brilliant too because you don't want to be listening to something and what you're hearing is bleeding out and is contaminating your track as well.
0: I think this has come to the end of the
1: podcast. Anything else you want to add? Uh, I hope you loved that Easter egg. <laughs> that yes, was a, that that was like that. My, is,
0: that's kind of a thing we do—a nerdling Easter egg. We need that. I was there.
1: looking for the humor in the moment.
0: It's there. It's there. All right. So down in the links, you're gonna find it's like a two-hour speech of what Rep, Rupert Ner, Rupert
1: Nieve, Rupert Neve Neve. I'm think say, of Stewie's teddy bear, and then
0: that'll still screw me up. <laughs> two-hour interview that he did or a speech that he gives also the link for the sound city free on youtube with advertisements and also the links to this rickroll video that you can have some fun and pass it on to somebody
1: and rickroll them too absolutely
0: (laughs)